Good morning. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together that we may come to know how you work in each one of our lives, how you've taught each one of us, and that we can learn and we can, we can apply things or maybe see things that others have shared that you have shown them. Lord, you call us to come together as a family because we know that we are stronger as a group than we are as individuals. So, Lord, we invite in the Holy Spirit, and we ask that, that we learn today, and we grow, and we put more of, of what your Son has taught us into our lives every day. This we ask in his name. Amen. As I... Um went to our hope for each day today and what I was going to be reading, um, I felt like a, an introduction to what I'm going to read would be appropriate. Um, some would say that the seven churches, as they're addressed uh, in Revelation, are uh, each one represents a period of time down to the last church. And the last church is Laodicea, and um, this is what it says. I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. Would that you would be either hot or cold. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say you're rich and have prospered, and I don't need anything, not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy gold from me. This is the cry of God to us that, um, that we not be a lukewarm body um, in this day, but we be hot and uh, desiring him. And so it goes, I believe, with the word for the day. Free, but not cheap. If anyone desires to come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 16, 24. During the early years of the 20th century, Bill Borden turned back on one of America's great family fortunes to become a missionary to China. He only got as far as Egypt. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets, he said, as he died, right before he died of typhoid fever. Discipleship is always costly. No, in may, it may not cost our lives, but it will cost us. It will cost us our plans, our wills, our selfish desires. Jesus' standard has not changed. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Instead of controlling our lives, we turn them over to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Someone has said salvation is free but not cheap. It cost Jesus his life, and it will cost us as well. But could anything be greater? Could anything be more fulfilling? Follow Christ, and at life's end, you will be able to say, no regrets. Hope for today. Everyone who follows Christ first picks up his cross, and no one's cross is light. What have you to sacrifice in order to follow him? Whatever it is, you can know that it was worth it. And I must say, before I stop, as I look out at Carolyn and Frank, 
that they're a picture of people who have taken up a cross their lives. And I'll bet they say no regrets, but it was costly.
the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the praises of the King rise among us. Let it rise. Let the Spirit of the Lord rise among us. Let the Spirit of the Lord rise among us. Let the freedom of the King Rise among us, let it rise. Oh, oh, oh let it rise. Oh, 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 let it rise. Oh, let it rise. Desperate for you 
Old Testament scripture today comes from Genesis 21, verses 8 through 21. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ismael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant, Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share in the inheritance of my son, Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ismael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy in your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you to. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food in a container of water, and strapped it to Hagar's shoulder. Then he sent her away with her son and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Bathsheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of the brush. Then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch my boy die, she said, and she burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eye, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. And if you'd like to stand as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's just praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let's just lift our hearts and praise the Lord. Let's just praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let's just lift our hearts to heaven and praise the Lord. Oh, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your love 
New Testament reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 24 through 39. Students are not greater than their teacher, and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even worse names. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the rooftops for, for all you hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father a daughter against her mother, 
and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son and daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. If you take your bulletin, we have a responsive reading. Lord God, friend of those in need, your son Jesus has untied our burdens and healed our spirits. We lift up the prayers of our hearts for those still burdened, for those seeking healing, those in need within the church and the world. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have asked us to share, to give back, because we know all belongs to you. And you have blessed us, and you, you've provided for us. But you tell us to give back, to provide, help provide for others. So, Lord, as we, as we get these gifts today, let us use them wisely. Let us, let us use them to bring more people to you so that we may, and which would bless us tremendously, Lord. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Good morning. We, uh, all of us have really faced some tough times lately, haven't we? I mean, it, it's like everything is, uh, you know, since about mid-March, when the COVID first hit, and then, um, and then, uh, you know, Judd, that's just beginning to ease up a bit, and, and all the riots happen all over the country, and, and then we get the wildfire, all the resultant smoke and everything, and then the resurgence of the, resurgence of the COVID-19 coronavirus in, uh, in Arizona. So it's, it's been, you know, it's just been one thing after another. You kind of like every now and then you come up for air, but uh, it's been a tough time. I, you know, I would say for us personally, it hasn't been as difficult as as I think it has been for a lot of people. Um, but I think a lot of people, the level of stress has gone way, way up. And so I, you know, praise the Lord that we're praying and calling out to the Lord for those people who are. Uh, really having a, a difficult time. Our kids, uh, this has been a difficult time for them. Amy, that we were talking about, that uh, works out at Amber Lights, you know, they have their residence, um, they, have their, they have to stay in their apartments, and so the staff have to take all the meals to them, you know, three meals a day, take to all the residents, and uh, you know, and it's been good for her in a sense because she's been able to, she, her, her thing is she loves the residents. She loves old people. And we always tell her she's right at home. <laughs> 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 and, uh, 
<laughs> but she uh, she loves old people, and and so she's been able to get into home, into the rooms and just you know talk to them and get to know them better. And she said that's been really great. But it's been a lot of stress. And our son, it's been a lot of stress on him. Uh, his teams that he leads are, uh, you know, fortunately they're doing well, but it's just a lot of work, extra work with all the Zoom calls and all that kind of stuff. And our daughter-in-law, who's a first grade teacher, Dr. Soling Tom, um, you know, and I, and I think that's representative of a lot of people all over the place for whom this has been a real time of stress, lots of stress. But this, this morning, I want to talk to you about what I believe is the solution. And that is that we get our eyes on Jesus. You know, that's not that that's the end product, you know, because when we get our eyes on Jesus, he's going to direct us to do a lot of different things. But, but I, I believe that the, just like a magnetic north, you know, and that compass needle, you turn the, turn, turn the compass around, and boom, it goes back to magnetic north. And I believe that we, as believers in Christ, that, that we're to be that way, where we just instinctively go back to Jesus, get our eyes on him. That's always the first place for any kind of healing, any kind of deliverance, any kind of guidance or anything. And often he tells us what to do. But the source of healing, deliverance, guidance, and perspective begins with getting our eyes on Jesus. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's easy to forget that. You know, you get, I mean, the more stuff that comes at you, you know, and it's coming from all different directions, and it's really easy to, to begin to look at all those things and try to deal with all those things and, and, and instead of just, well, wait a minute, you know, I've got to get my eyes on Jesus because he's the one that's going to give me the solution. And I also believe that, you know, this is Father's Day, and I believe that the greatest gift that we can give to our children and grandchildren is to help them, to train them, to... Uh, direct them to getting their eyes on Jesus. That's the, that's the one solution for all of life. Um, there's a, the, the wonderful hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We get our eyes on Jesus. Our text is Colossians 3, 1 through 4. You'll find that in your bulletin insert. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's say a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, and I pray this morning that you will speak to every one of us, that there will be something in what I say or in what we sing or in the prayers or something today that will, that will give us a, another chink in our armor, Lord. Uh, we fight a battle on this earth, and, and there's a whole lot that's going on. A whole lot of stuff is coming at us, uh, both as believers, but also just as people, Lord, uh, and particularly living here in Tucson, in Arizona. 
And so we pray, Almighty God, that you'll give us, give us a word. Give us something to hang on to. Uh, give us a word of encouragement. And we, uh, we just submit this into your hands. I pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Take the words. Um, <clears throat> I've been going over this sermon, Lord, and practicing and so on. But take these words and take these thoughts. And, and Lord, may your Holy Spirit bring the anointing. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, in, in, uh, because Ray's here, I'm going to read this same uh, passage in the message version. I know he likes that version. So this is for you. This is just for you, brother. <laughs> so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the, re that's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too, the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. And I believe that these verses, they're kind of interesting um, with these four verses in Colossians 3, that I believe that they're a bridge. Uh, they both, you know, the book of Colossians, like so many of Paul's epistles, are divided into doctrine on the front end, like Ephesians 1 through 3 and Colossians 1, 1 and 2. But then the second half is all about what we call orthopraxis, or how do we live out our Christian life? What do we do with it? And these verses are right in the middle. So they both summarizing, all of doctrine is summarized in set your eyes on Jesus. And all of orthopraxis, or how we ought to live our lives, is summarized in get your eyes on Jesus. So right in the middle, um, Paul puts these and saying, okay, this is that bridge to, to living your life with Christ. Well, he says, set your minds on earthly things, or not, don't set your minds on earthly things. So there's both a positive and a negative in these verses. And the negative is, don't set our minds on earthly things. The positive is, do set our eyes on the things above. So that's what we're going to be talking about. So the first part is, don't set our minds on earthly things. We aren't to have our minds set on those things of the world. John 15, 18, if the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And I think it's good for us to, that reminder that we don't belong to this world. Uh, we have been bought with a price, and we have, we have a whole new kingdom that we are a part of now. We are part of the kingdom of God. If we have Christ living in our lives, if he lives in our, in our hearts, then we are members of the kingdom of God. And so what Paul is talking, or John is talking about in these verses, is that we're to have a certain detachment from the things of this world. 
So the first place to getting the first step to getting our eyes on Jesus is to have a certain detachment from the things of this world. And I believe as believers that we, you know, Christ is weaning us from the things of this earth. And so that we don't get our satisfaction, we don't get our enjoy, you know, certainly we use those things and God gives us those things and we enjoy those things and that's all part of living in the kingdom of God. But there's also a certain detachment from those things. 1 John 2.15 following says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So the world and its desires are passing away. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I know uh, uh, for us, the older I get the more that there's a detachment from the things of this earth. Why? Because I, I look at them, you know, and, and there's always a certain glitter to the things of this world. And age, one of the things that age does is that we see those things and, we, and step after step, we see that they don't really satisfy. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. All right? <laughs> Boy, that's true, isn't it? We're going to have lots of trouble in this world. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Christ has overcome the world. Furthermore, it says in verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So we actually died to those things of the world. And we are surrounded by people who have values in direct contradiction to biblical values and goals. And we're called to be separate from their values. You know, part of, I've seen with, these, with the riots and so on, is that um, there's, there's a lot of people who are directly in contradiction to biblical values and pursuing that agenda. But we, as believers, are called to be ambassadors to this world. You know, we're just like, we're, you know, ambassador, what an ambassador does is they're called from one culture into another culture to represent that culture. Okay? So we are ambassadors in the kingdom of God. We're placed in this culture, but we are representing the kingdom of God. That's who we are. And we live our lives on this earth in the presence and the knowledge that this earth is not our home. We are aliens and strangers down here. This isn't our home. This isn't who we are. And the world and its benefits and glitter is not who we are anymore. We've been bought out of the world and set on a rock with Christ. Matthew 4.8. Um, this is the, the passage or the section where Jesus just launches into his ministry, okay? And, and it says in chapter 4, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And the devil says, you know, I've got these things, I've got it, I've got it in the bag here. And I'll, you know, if you'll just worship me, I'll give it all to you. And Jesus, of course, says, uh-uh, not going there. 
<laughs> I already own it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then in Revelation chapter 14, it says this, verse 8. Second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. And so this, all this glitter in the, in the world, <clears throat> then we see in the end, in the book of Revelation, it's all exposed. Babylon the Great and all that, all that uh, glitter and splendor and everything is shown for what it really is. It's nothing. Because we have the splendor of Jesus Christ. So, we're not to put our eyes on those things of the world. Where are we to put our eyes in? We're to put our eyes on those things above. <laughs> Let me read Colossians 1 and 2, 3, 1 and 2 again. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And it's kind of interesting, uh, the words in the Greek are where it says, set your minds on things above, or set your hearts on things above. It's actually, um, there's no difference in the Greek between set your hearts on and set your mind. So, in other words, what, what Paul is saying here is, with all your being, set, set your gaze on Jesus Christ. Your heart, your emotions, everything is to be focused on Jesus Christ. And the word in the Greek that is to seek those things or set our hearts on things above, it's use of Christ seeking that which was lost, of a shepherd looking for lost sheep, a woman searching for a lost coin, a merchant looking for a fine pearl. It's a diligent, active, single-minded investigation. And furthermore, it's a present imperative in the Greek, which means it's to be a constant seeking after setting hearts. Now, this is not just a one-time thing. Oh, get your eyes on Jesus and then go about your life. This is about get your eyes on Jesus and keep them there. Keep putting our eyes on Jesus because this stuff of this world and, and our sinful nature is always calling to us and calling us downward. And Paul is saying, no, no, get your eyes on that which is above. Look to Jesus. You heard the, you've heard the uh, statement so many times. That somebody is so heavenly minded you're of no earthly good. Ever hear that one? <laughs> yeah. um, C.S. Lewis said this about that particular phrase. He said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Isn't that right? I don't, there's a, a little book that we, not a little book, actually a big book, um, that we read. And it talks about all the things that Christians have done over the ages. and goes through all the different movements that were started by the Christian church. And, and so many of the things that we think, you know, somebody else started, they were all started in the church. They were started with the pastors in the church, like the, the whole anti-slavery movement. It started in the churches. Jesus says in John 15, 4, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So it's actually just the opposite. The more that we remain in Christ, the more that we will bear fruit. So we're to set our minds and hearts on things above. And the first thing is we pursue Christ. 
Psalm 27, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and I love this phrase, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And that, you know, that's the goal of our lives, isn't it? As Christians, it's to gaze upon the beauty of Christ. All beauty, all good things, everything that is, <clears throat> that is worthwhile that's on this earth comes from Jesus. And so we look to him and we get our gaze upon him. We gaze upon his beauty. He's the source of life, of beauty, of love, of joy, of pleasure, everything. It all comes from Jesus Christ. So we put our eyes and we keep our eyes on that which is heavenly. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I go back to these verses so many times in my own quiet time. And when, you know, I mean, we all face this. There's so much stuff that comes at us, and it's so easy just to get caught up in all that stuff. All that garbage. And I, you know, like you, I need to, you know, I need to get alone with Jesus and I, and I lift up my eyes and I, I, I just bring it all before Jesus. Because he's the solution. But we also are pursuing after those things which are above or that which is heavenly. Randy Alcorn says about these verses. And he wrote a book called Heaven. Anybody read that? Yeah, excellent. Okay, well, a lot of people. Okay. He says, this is the direct command to set our hearts on heaven. To long for Christ is to long for heaven. For that is where we will be with him. God's people are longing for a better country. We cannot set our eyes on Christ without setting our eyes on heaven. And we cannot set our eyes on heaven without setting our eyes on Christ. So we are constantly... Um, we pass from key, putting our eyes on that which is visible, temporal, and putting it on that which is invisible and eternal. Verses 1 and 4 say, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. When Christ, in verse 4, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So our home is in heaven. And part of the reason that we seek the Lord is that we're going to appear with him in glory. So we're just getting used to it. <laughs> we're practicing because we're going, to, we're going to reign with him one of these days. We're going, to, we're going to be in heaven. And I, boy, I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be great. Second <laughs> Corinthians 3.17 and 18 read, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. So one of the things that God is doing in our lives is that we are being transformed by God's Spirit, and part of that is that we are being transformed into ever-increasing glory. Glory is talking about that which is heaven, that which is heavenly. And it's the same glory that we'll share with Christ in the parousia when, when we're in heaven with Christ. So heaven is a glorious place. 
Again, Randy Alcorn says this, Every joy on earth, including the joy of reunion, is an inkling, a whisper of greater joy. Whenever we see beauty in water, wind, flower, deer, man, woman, or child, we catch a glimpse of heaven. Just like the Garden of Eden, the new earth will be a place of sensory delight, breathtaking beauty, satisfying relationships, and personal joy. In other words, everything that, you know, we, we every now and then, we get a little glimpse, don't we? Where we just get a glimpse of that which is heavenly. Yeah, it's just a, sometimes just a real passing feeling that we have, but it, it's, a, it's a longing. There's a longing deep in us that says, this is not my home, and we get that glimpse of that which is really home. I, I know uh, I did when we first became believers, as I've mentioned to you, we were on a hippie commune up in Oregon, and, uh, and I remember standing... You know, we just, both of us had just come to Christ. And I was standing on a bridge, the little farm that we were on, 80-acre farm, was, was uh, carved into the, the uh, Kalmyopsis wilderness, the, the national forest, and there was a bridge that went over to our farm. And I was just standing on that bridge, and I'd just come to know Jesus, and I really thought I'd walked into heaven. I mean, it, it was just a glimpse of what heaven is like. And I think that just a glimpse is enough to change the whole course of our lives. It did with me. Just one little glimpse of who Jesus is. C.S. Lewis says, We want something else which can hardly be put into words, to be united with the beauty we see, to pass into it, to receive it into ourselves, to bathe in it, to become part of it. We long for that which is heavenly. And C.S. Lewis in his Chronicles of Narnia, and how many, again, how many have read that to your kids and so on? All right, lots of you. Um, but Lucy, in, in this is the last of the, of the books in the Chronicles of Narnia. Lucy is mourning the loss of the old Narnia, okay? The old Narnia has passed away as they're approaching the new Narnia at the end of the series. And the unicorn says of the new Narnia, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we loved the old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this. So what we're saying is this, that those things on earth where we get a glimpse and those things that really satisfy our soul are those glimpses that we get of heaven. And someday that's going to be com absolutely completed as we reign with Jesus Christ. Anyone who has even tasted a glimpse of heaven will, will, ever, will never be content with life as it is on this earth. Hebrews 11, 12, 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. <clears throat> they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they're looking for a country of their own. Are you looking for a different country? I know I am. <laughs> the, the more I'm down here and the more I see the problems accumulate, man, I'm going, you know, let me out of this place. <laughs> but, but we have a job to do here. And our job is to get more people to go up there. <laughs> so 
How do we set our minds on things about? What's, what are we talking about here? Well, the first thing is we practice the habits of the heart. Um, and we, Jesus is the source of solving our problems, and he gives us perspective, and through prayer and through a quiet time. I, I don't know about you, but with me, the most wonderful parts of my day are the time that I spend with Jesus in the morning. And I've had a habit for, you know, ever since I became a Christian of taking time in the morning to get my eyes on Jesus. Now, other people, you know, they do it at night or whenever. But I think a quiet time is, is really, um, it, it's a source of strength to us where we get our eyes upon Jesus. And we get Jesus' perspective. And we build reservoirs with teaching and learning God's word and meditating on God's word. And the more that we have God's word in our hearts and minds, the more that we have those thoughts to draw in time of need. So it's both that we want to, you know, there are times when we just, boy, we need an answer right then, okay? And so we seek the Lord for that. But there's also the building reservoirs so that we have, we have that pool of water so that when we need it, we can dip into that water. And to me, that's what, the quiet, what a quiet time does, is I'm building that reservoir so that when the, when the time of difficulty comes, I can dip into that water and that reservoir and, and pull something out that God's given to me. Psalm uh, 37, 20, well, Psalm 119, verse 10 says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And then this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so we're, we're, we're hiding God's word in our heart so that we don't sin against God. We meditate on him. How many of you have read the little book, Practicing His Presence, by Brother Lawrence? Remember that? Okay. Really, really a neat little book. It's actually been a Christian classic over the ages. And he's a 17th century monk who worked as a dishwasher in a monastery. And then he writes this little thing, and it's just his, the way that he uh, builds a life of getting his eyes on Jesus and practicing the presence of Jesus throughout the day. And it's all about getting a heavenly perspective. Glenn Elliott did a uh, series on this whole thing on quiet time a while back, and he talked about three different parts of this of this getting our eyes on Jesus. First is our daily time. That's a quiet time or, or whatever you build into your day where you're, you know, you're connecting with Christ. But then there's the weekly time, the Sabbath. The Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments, and in it, you know, Moses said, take a Sabbath. And it actually goes all the way back to creation, that we are to take a Sabbath, and once a week just... Just pull back and put our eyes on Jesus. And then there's yearly time of retreats. I like to do three retreats during the year um, where I just maybe three or four days, just get away and get my eyes on Jesus and, and unburden, you know, unburden myself from all that junk that's, that's, um, that has accumulated. So really what we're doing is we're looking at our lives from 30,000 feet. And I found so many times that when I take those things to Jesus in prayer, 
that it's just like that. I'm just, I'm, I, I elevate to 30,000 feet, and I look down and I go, you know what? That's not really earth-shattering. <laughs> now, sometimes it is, and, and God will give you a solution for it. But many times, it's just getting Jesus' perspective, realizing that, you know, that's not, what, what I'm really struggling with is not all that earth-shattering. <laughs> Richard of Chichester had a famous prayer. It's to see Jesus more clearly, to love him more dearly, to follow him more nearly day by day. That's the goal, isn't it? So what we're talking about is living life here with an eternal perspective with our eyes on Jesus. There's a beautiful song that uh, Melissa Jackson has recorded, and I, I just love it. I, I listen to it a lot. And she says this, the more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. I love that. I love that sequence. When I seek you, I find you. When I find you, I love you. The more that we actually find Jesus, the more that we love him. Because he is love. I want to sit at your feet, she says. Drink from the cup in your hand. Lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. His love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming. So I'd like to encourage all of us to seek Jesus. Put Jesus first. Seek after Jesus. Seek after him. Find him. Love him. So my question is this. What are you doing in your daily life to pursue the things above? How is your life structured around that which is eternal? And how do you, you, know, how do you deal with all this junk that comes into your life what do you do in order to get, in order to roll your way upon the, on the Lord and to get your eyes on Jesus? Thank you.
pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you've told us to keep your eyes on Jesus. Mm. Lord, let's remember that during good times, during bad times, during times when we don't seem to have any troubles, <clears throat> but maybe it's not so happy, that we still must keep our eyes on you. Yes. Keeping your eyes on you will always bring a smile to our face. It will help us answer any questions we have, and it'll show us the right way to be, the way you have taught us. So Lord, we ask that our eyes be opened as well as all, all our senses, that however you want to send your message, we will end up hearing it. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Thank you.